Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series, The Nature of Predators. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter number 36. Memory Transcription, Subject Captain Sovereign, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 6, 2136. Resounding shouts coursed through the air as the humans rounded on the unarmed enemy, most with some variant of a demand to lie on the ground. There was no question that this was an Axel surrender. They were complying with the barked orders and cuffing themselves without any clear trickery. There was no snarling or sudden movements. Perhaps the inexplicable behavior was because humans earned respect. By whatever their twisted standards were. The primate's bellowed voices shook me to the core and clearly left no room for debate. Scaring the boarders away with bloodied fangs and pierced eyes hadn't been a viable tactic for a change. All the same, I didn't think the reptilians were capable of submission. The Federation never managed to capture a predator or reason with them. Appealing to mercy was an exercise in futility. Amusement seemed to be the only motive they needed to destroy our worlds. Accepting the Terrans as thinking people was one thing, but the Arxor were clear-cut in their validity. I wonder what Captain Monaghan will do with the prisoners, I muttered. Samantha offered a non-committal shrug. Not my call. Not mine either, and that's probably a good thing. Carlos bounded up to us, raising his goggles. We're going to have some guys make sure that they sit nice and pretty for now. Probably sedate them, take them as prisoners. But if it was your call... What would you do? I asked. I'd put them in the cattle pens, right where they belong, he growled, a malicious gleam in his eyes. I wonder if the greys could taste like gator, or maybe they'd be a good pair of boots. The bold-faced talk of eating another sentient left me taken back. It wasn't something I thought humankind would contemplate, even for these monsters. I understood what Carlos was saying. The schadenfreude was something we had in common. The guard's statement was pushing it a little far, but I was happy he was being more open with me. Maybe Carlos was grateful I saved his life. He seems more friendly towards me. My eyes studied the arcs or prisoner, but they would still look hideous as boots. Also, I wouldn't want my paws touching their skin. How defiling. Well then, what would you do with them, Sovlin? As much as I would love to see the greys add a full dose of their own medicine, the stakes were too high. The intelligence a strong-willed military could extract was invaluable. If we could stop the Cradle's fate from befalling another world, that was worth keeping these Arxor alive for a bit. Besides, they deserved more suffering than a quick execution. Scientific studies of their pain, tolerance, and responses could offer an interesting results. My lip curled up in disgust, and I would inflict as much agony as I could, and once I had no use for it, I would blow its brains out. You already knew that answer to that, Carlos, Samantha hissed. Remember why he's here? You two, have fun with your chat. I lowered my gaze, watching the female guard stalk off. It hadn't occurred to me that I described verbatim what I had done to the first Terran soldier I found. After recognizing the parallel, Carlos would surely lose interest in speaking with me. It confused me why he hadn't looked after her, but a part of me still hoped that we could still make progress. I'm sorry, the irony is, uh, somehow, I think you might be the only species who can understand why I did that, I sighed. The human crossed his arm, the conflicted glint in his eyes. I understand why, if we were the Arxor, but who didn't even consider or research Marcel Fries' his story? 
Nor did you listen to the Venlil that backed him up. I did research. The Federation's database pegged you as a species of genocidal conquerors who do nothing but war. My spines bristled as I recalled the atrocities in one other briefing. Then I watched videos of humans gassing children and nuking your own cities, and you lecture us about stampedes. I still don't get you. That history makes a lot of us angry, too. We're, um, capable of what they are. But the Ven... The Vendel Slenek, as he was unconscious for days, what we knew was the Republic cut off all communications and chased off the ships at gunpoint and took every Federation visitor hostage. After they met, it was an obvious conclusion at the time that humans coerced them into those actions. But that's just not true. You know that. Now... My pulse, which you have thought humanity was friendly and empathetic, when you seem so much like the Ox or the only other known predators. The guard didn't say anything, but his ocular reflection showed that my point had landed. He pursed his lips and scratched the back of his neck. It was obvious that he was hesitant to vocalize understanding for the torture of his own kind. Perhaps his concern was that nearby soldiers might overhear. Natch just say, by the time Slinek woke up it was too late. I had to be right about you, or else I was a monster. My voice cracked, and my eyes blinked shut to seal away tears. I'm not defending, Carlos. I can't live with what I've done. Not since it hit home. I don't expect anyone's forgiveness. The predator patted my shoulder once, with a surprising amount of gentleness. No words tumbled from his lips, but that was more consolation than I deserved. The guilt enshrouding my heart eased for a brief moment. I realized how badly I needed one of the humans to understand. Carlos cleared his throat and his gaze dialed in on the Arxor prisoners. A human had a boot planted against one's tail, with a gun barrel pressed against its skull. The reptilian's eyes were wild, with what I would think was fear. Than any other species, it looked young and scrawny, which might be why it was singled out for intimidation. What did you do with the kids? The UN soldier's voice was low, charged with a venomous undercurrent. Where are they? Kids? The gojits, the cattle, you son of a witch. Why didn't you just say that? They're in the cargo bay. And where the feck is that? Show us now. The grey led us to the kitchen, which was placed adjacent to the cafeteria. The station seemed more suitable to butchering than food preparation. Carlos gestured for me to follow, since my inclusion was only permitted to pacify any captives. My uneasy brain resented the march into a predator's lair, and was relieved when the human hovered close behind me. A decaying scent wafted into my nostrils, which triggered my gag reflex. A few goja corpses dangled from the ceiling and had been gutted from head to toe. The amount of dried blood suggested their organs were carved out while they were alive. One carcass was notably smaller than the others. It looked about the size of my daughter. Last time I saw her alive... That child was dissected and then served to the group as an entree. Just like my sweet Hania. Those vile predators, they... They use us as a feast. Disgust torched a path to my esophagus, and I spewed vomit onto the tile. The way Carlos's cheeks were ashen and puffed out, I think he was barely keeping his own lunch down. It was a relief to see the clawless predator looking squeamish, especially after hearing him ponder how the Arxor tasted. Heaving sounds behind me suggested that disgust was overreaching reaction, within Terran ranks. The UN soldiers bringing up the flank got more of an eyeful than they anticipated. It was baffling that predators would have such a strong aversion to gore. All evolutionary knowledge 
suggested blood should serve as an enticing marker of an easy catch to sharpen their senses. The male guard wiped sweat from his bow. Back, man! Can't unsee that they're so brutal, senseless, deep breaths. Don't focus on it. I know. By the way, why did your warriors split up? I asked Carlos, trying to distract us. Doesn't everyone want to secure the civilians? Samantha cleared her throat to my right, startling me. Enemy officers are holed up on the bridge, and we need to sweep the ship anyways. Don't need a napping grey crawling out of a crevice. I thought you didn't want to be anywhere near me. I don't, but it's my job. The scrawny arcsaw staggered to the kitchen rear's wall and wagged a bony claw at a petition. The reflective metal formed two double doors, wide enough to fit a few spacecraft side by side. I considered that the prisoners were deceiving us, since that was their modus operandi. But it made too much sense for the prey to be right next to the mess hall. The Terran handler jabbed his gun barrel at the Oxal's temple. Open the fucking door, or we'll find out what color your brains splatter. It swallowed and waved a paw in front of a motion sensor. I half expected an automated turret to descend from the ceiling and start cutting down our ranks. The humans tensed as well, clearly not trusting the beast. Despite their lack of experience with the Arxor, they seemed well-versed in the ways of sapient deception. The doors creaked open, and the UN soldiers inched forward. There was no reinforcing army amassed inside, for all of our misgivings. The cabin before us was devoid of Arxor, on the ground level, which was where my eyes stopped looking. Of course, the reptiles wouldn't leave their prized position unattended. Some instinct compelled the humans' binocular vision to turn skywards, Perhaps it was the same madness that made them leap out planes. One Arxor camped on a raised platform which allowed it to overlook the assembled prey. It wheeled around, slowed by the same narrow vision as the Terrans. The grain couldn't reach for its weapon before it was obliterated by dozens of bullets. Lots of trigger-happy humans out here. They seem really on edge. I watched as the monster slumped to the floor. Its skin was perforated everywhere that constituted a vital organ. The life flicking out of his reptilian eyes as liters of blood dripped through the latticed walkway. It doused any gorges below in coagulated goo, but I couldn't bring myself to face the livestock yet. My gaze instead fell on our predatory captive. I wanted to see how it reacted to the death of a counterpart. A brief gasp slipped from its maw, and those diabolical pupils lingered on its fallen comrade for a full second, a full second longer than they should have. No heads up about the guard. The UN soldier slammed his rifle butt onto the Arxor prisoner's temple. He snickered as its hind legs buckled and collapsed on the floor. Ah, crap. My hand slipped. That's what everyone saw, isn't it? The other humans nodded. As they studied the cattle enclosure in horrified silence, my reluctant eyes fell on the scene with renewed fury surging through my spines. Gojids were packed in pens like animals to the brink of suffocating. I could see faces squished against the barbed wire mesh and poles scrabbling for a way out. The guards must have fed cattle by throwing seeds and leaves down from the walkway. Water was available through a few small basins on the room. Many people seemed to have just given up and were lying unresponsive on the floor. The squealing of the children was what really stamped in my heart. They sounded so high-pitched and frantic. Help us, please! A desperate voice wailed from the Coral's epicenter. That individual was shushed by its counterparts, who divulged that the entrance were humans. There was no line of sight from where their throng of gojids 
All they knew were the borders weren't Arxor and that the Greys had succumbed to them. The last they saw of humanity was Terran soldiers dropping into cradle settlements. If they hadn't witnessed the heroic sacrifices on the surface, it would be logical to assume humans orchestrated the Arxor raid. These people must think that they were going from one predator's clutches to another. One gojit strained his face against the mesh. Captain Sublin, they, they captured you. you. You should know better than to let them take you alive. My mouth was dry. I too was horrified by the atrocities of this vessel to find words. This felt like a waking nightmare. It was all I could do to not sink against the nearest human's boots and break down. The gojits took my shocked state as an affirmation of these fears, howling with despair. Carlos shuffled forward. Kneeling by the cage's edge, he tugged on the material which did not budge and bared his teeth in obvious frustration. The muscles in his shoulders were quivering with the primal rage that he was struggling to restrain. The predator couldn't bear the sobbing kids any more than I could. A growl emanating from his chest and his brown eyes narrowed to slits. The compulsion to break the sapient livestock out of the cage all but possessed him. There was frantices in his motion as Samantha passed him a cable cutter. Carlos slipped the first strand and the other humans ambled in to help peel back the material. The Terran's haste was enough to snap me out of my trance. If I didn't get through to the Gojids, they would simply stampede right over their saviors. A mauling wasn't the way to reward the gentle beasts for their compassion. The, the, the humans are here as allies of the Gojid nation. Let them help you, I croaked. The warlike predators who invaded our home and caused the Arxor to capture us, our allies... Tell those demons to make their lies believable, puppet, came a sneering reply. So this was how it felt, trying to convince a skeptical audience to see past the abominable appearance. Carlos's efforts paused for a moment, and he shared a glance with his counterparts. The gash they carved into the barbed wire was almost wide enough to rip out an opening. How could anyone read malice into their actions? Nobody ever just started off seeing humans as people. Nobody accepted their story at face value or treated them as equals. In that moment, I felt sorry, angry, for the alien predators. Stormed towards the pen. The ground invasion occurred because we were planning to bomb Earth. I would know. Preventing their own extinction is self-defense. The fact that they risked their lives to save you in spite of that shows their empathy runs deeper than ours. Predators don't feel empathy. Great Protector teaches that they are cursed creatures, doomed to live in eternal hunger and bloodlust. The Great Protector, Carlos Mouth. Arguing with a fairy tale wasn't my ideal scenario, but antagonizing the religious was only going to make them shut down. There might be a shred of truth in that axiom anyways. I had seen the Terrans tap into their aggression multiple times. Humans used their higher emotions to redirect bloodlust to proper outlets, but sometimes their agency waned. My eyes swept over the group. These predators are intelligent enough to override that, to control it. The Venlil did experiments that proved that they can bond with prey animals and that they feel pain for those of us in suffering. It is irrefutable evidence by every scientific metric. What? That's... That's, that's not possible. You're saying humans use their hunger to protect the weak from threats, much like your goddess. They formed laws and morality that are civilized, honorable even... If they are cursed and trying to break free, wouldn't the Protector command us to help? The UN soldiers stuck back the spiky wall and surveyed the traumatized Gojids. My people didn't rush on their savior in panic, though many shoved their way forward to escape. The alternate was to remain in Arxor custody, 
Now the Arks are a known commodity. Even if the Terrans were just evil, it was difficult for them to be worse. Several humans extended gloved hands, hoisting the victims onto solid ground. Hope of all food and clean water awaited the rescued. The special care they gave to the young didn't escape my notice. Samantha's eyes glowed as she began to spoon-feed an emaciated infant. I had never seen such a toothy snarl in her face or heard her speak so softly. The skirmish hadn't been to contest the cattle claim at all. I wondered what the Oxor would think when they realized the predators they viewed as equals despised them as much as the rest of the galaxy. When the humanity's interrogations turned up anything useful or not, it would be priceless to be a fly on that wall. End of chapter. Chapter 37. Memory transcript subject Governor Tarpa of the Vendel Republic. Date, standardized human time, October 6, 2136. In the month that we'd been away, the Predators seemed to have established their presence on Vendel Prime. Teeming masses of humans with cameras awaited the shuttle. The increase in personnel was noticeable. Vendel journalists were squeezed right next to the formidable beasts and didn't pay their counterparts much attention. They must have done extensive work with the Terrans to be so casual. Several individuals in the UN's Baby Blue welcomed the new species and offered polite introductions their eyes were concealed in floral-colored visors, which was a clear attempt to look as non-threatening as possible. They paused as they saw the Sivkit diplomat bolt away from the crowd. Auxley's snowy pelt vanished into the thick bush around the governor's mansion. Ambassador Noah took a step in that direction, as though he wanted to follow her. I placed a paw in his arm and shook my head. Chasing after her will only make it worse, at any rate. We need to speak with your people immediately, I muttered. Concern flickered in his brown eyes. Is something wrong? You've been subdued. You learned something when they answered. As soon as we entered FTL communication range, I had relayed word to Federation delegations through government channels. Chowson patched up the ship enough to travel, but affirmed that the cooling shaft showed signs of external tampering. I didn't convey these details over the network, since I didn't want the UN Embassy's greeting to involve guns and interrogation. The Venlal government brought the Terrans officials into the loop and related some startling developments in the Gojit War. However, the immediate concern was that both parties seemed surprised by our contact. That meant Rissell's ship never reached its destination. With our lengthy delay, they should have arrived well before we crossed Venlal space. At my request, the Terrans deployed a search and rescue team to follow their flight path. I kept the knowledge to myself to avoid panic, but the worry was nagging at me. What would happen to our relations with those six species if something had gone wrong? My ears pressed back against my head. I learned several things which are all troubling. Let me brush off the media and then we will join Cam in the briefing room. The camera wielding primates drew closer with the clamor and the Vendel yipped questions as well. My instincts protested allowing noisy predators to crowd me in every direction. The humans were on more aggressive than I was used to with our own reporters. I breathed a silent sigh of relief as they granted enough space for us to pass. I think some of the human journalists have bad habits, their ambush tactics, have rubbed off on these Venlo stars. I politely request that you lower the volume of your speech, especially when you are this close. My ears are more sensitive than yours, and it carries more intimidation than I believe you intend. I balked to the microphones. The crescendo of the Terran questions died down which lessened the encounter's intensity. 
At least, if they were all badgering us, someone had a good sense to tell them to avoid the new diplomats. We might have other visitors running into the foliage, if this ensnarement was attempted on anyone else. What happened on the Federation summit? An insistent voice called out. I am behind on everything that's happened in the past month, so I'm taking general questions right now, I said, forcing a level of cadence. For now, you can report to Earth that eleven species offered to open up diplomatic relations with you. Only eleven, Noah Williams. How was your treatment at their hands? Is the rest of the Federation at war with humanity? How do you think this affects their venal human relations? Let me finish, I spat. Over one hundred species devoted to ally with you against the Oxal. An even larger sector are either undecided or opted for an isolationist policy. While these may not be the results you hoped for, I see them as a positive step forward. From wishing your species extinct, however, the Crocottle fleet are amassing warships with support from several neighbors in every border station that faces our space. How can we trust these public stances aren't intended as deception? You might find your questions resolved if my answers could reach their conclusion, I growled with frustration. I was about to explain that 38 member states would not budge on their extermination position and may seek war of extinction. The crow cattle are one of these, a rather vocal one. Agitated whispers cycled through the crowd. I knew there was half a second that I'd take the humans to process that information before they'd launch into new inquisition. The questions would fall into predictable categories. How Earth should defend itself in these threats if diplomatic resolutions were off the table and what assistance the Vendel would provide. I am going to discuss with your generals and my generals how to handle this now. Perhaps our new allies will help us. I swished my tail towards the Zerulian diplomat, who had settled down atop the human shoe. The predator looked taken aback, but didn't move his foot. No matter what, we will figure this out together. The Vendler will stand with humanity to the end. Now excuse me. Noah grinned as he saw my irritated head shakes. The Terran ambassador clasped his hands behind his back and followed me into the governor's mansion. There was something in his eyes beyond amusement. As his gaze bored into my skull, I almost came off as predatory hunger, though, for some reason, it wasn't unnerving. The human held open the door, his stare never faltering as we walked into the briefing center. That unblinking fixation was distracting. I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell him to break eye contact. It took all the colossal effort to recall the planet-threatening reasons that we were here. General Cam leapt up from his chair. Governor! Ambassador! We're all delighted you're back! I took a seat next to him, and the Predator settled beside me. I would say that it's good to be back, but uh, in the month I've been gone, the Gojit Cradle was glassed. What? Noah hissed. Please, don't tell me we did that. From his dejected tone, it seemed he considered the well within the realm of possibilities. My certainty that there was another explanation wavered after his response. The UN's positions against civilian casualties seemed set in stone. At that initial briefing, perhaps Mayer was just saying that we wanted to hear so that we could obtain our aid. The Arxor took advantage of the defenses being down. There was nothing that we could do. General Jones of an American clan growled. We lost considerable amount of our own troops trying to evacuate civilians. I lowered my gaze. And civilians, you did evacuate all. Where? Earth. Mostly refugee camps in New York. My eyes bulged out of my skull. The humans thought that it was a good idea to take a bunch of terrified refugees to a predator homeworld, far away from their own territory. Those coaches must be overwhelmed, and the optics of this was atrocious. 
it would have been better solution to host them on the Vendel Prime or transport them to a goaded colony. General Zhao narrowed his eyes, Governor. You look displeased. Do you not trust humans to be proper caregivers? You must understand. Candidly, this is an absolute disaster, I grumbled. Fifty-two species specified that they were waiting for news from the cradle to determine their diplomatic position. When they hear it's been destroyed, they'll blame humanity. She's right. I wouldn't be surprised if they accused us of coordinating with the Arxor. Noah finished. A sigh slipped from my lips. The refugees are the cherry on the top, as you say. When they hear you're keeping them in camps on Earth, they'll assume that you're keeping them as cattle. We, we have troves of footage showcasing our humanitarian efforts, the Chinese general objected. And it's easy enough to dismiss that as stage propaganda. I bet anything, the Krakotl will use this to gain public support for their attack, to smear you as slaving predators. What was stopping the species on world from rescinding their diplomatic offer? The Mazak president was going to flip when he learned of the cradle's destruction. This was a grave setback to our progress with the friendly governments, and it would push most undecided factions towards animosity. At least I had a few hours to deliberate how to react to the various scenarios. This is all news to Noah. The Terran ambassador shifted beside me, and I could sense his surprise to the wall's developments. After witnessing the hatred on the Federation floor, he knew better than anyone that I was right on about their perspective. The Secretary General understood the Cradle's importance as a propaganda tool, Jones said. That's why we sent our fleet first fleet on a liberation mission. We have a chance to defeat the Oxal and retake the Cradle. Those mission logs and the footage which Captain Sovlin provided to us from the Gojit media sources might help mitigate any reputational damage. Two items leapt out of me from that statement. The first being, the humans sent a large contingent of the Venal ships that were donated to them to the slaughter. Attacking the Arxor was a foolhardy play, which I can't believe General Cam didn't object to. Predators or not, the UN had succumbed to at the very turn of the Grey's superior army. Are they trying to leave both of our planets exposed to lose everything we gave them? Since the fleet was already dead, there was no point even addressing that matter. I began to wonder if allying with the humans was a mistake. I hadn't thought that they were suicidal. The second topic was the name Sovlin, which I couldn't weigh hearing right. Even under excruciating interrogation, it was tough to picture that Gojit giving humanity anything helpful. Had they captured him during the war, what terrible retribution had they inflicted to make him violate his principles? Sovlin is in your custody, I blinked with concern, as a human representative nodded. Is he alive? Jones rolled her eyes. Yes, why does everyone ask that? Because we wouldn't blame you for killing him, General. I might venture he deserves the ultimate penalty. But how did he come into your possession? He turned himself in. After witnessing our soldiers fight back against the Oxel, I, uh... I see. Would it be an unreasonable request to ask Soblin to stand trial in a Venlo court? I would have liked for him to answer for reckless endangerment and mistreatment of Venlo citizens. The UN is willing to discuss extradition, but he is a valuable strategic asset now. I don't see him being handed over for a few years. A female voice I didn't recognize piped up. This predator was seated away from the generals and bore a keen visage of intelligence. Aaron Kumper, UN Secretary of Alien Affairs, formerly SETI. The agency name rang a bell in my head. Humans desired friends amongst the stars long before their species was interstellar. Stories about aliens were abnormally prevalent in their culture. Some Terran scientists devoted their careers to scanning the skies for signals and cataloging exoplanets that might be habitable. 
Noah and Sarah's flight on the Odyssey was charted by SETI researchers. Mendel Prime happened to be the fifth Earth-like world on their candidate list. It made sense that those prescient astronomers would try to become the first alien experts and attaches. I flick my ears with politeness. Nice to meet you, Madam Secretary. I understand humans have the greatest claim to Sovereign, of course, but I don't want this treatment of Selenek to be overlooked. It's a bad precedent. Agreed. I think it's a good idea for us to write out travel and extradition treaties. We've relied too heavily on goodwill between our species. This wouldn't have any misunderstandings in the bud. There were a lot of other details that needed to be ironed out. Trade, borders, intelligence sharing, joint military bases, and which foods were allowed within our domain. It was a daunting task, since I had no idea how predators approached such matters. That fact that Earth technically fell in Venlil territory was a grievous issue that I'd been tiptoeing around. The official status galaxy-wide is that humanity does not own their homeworld. We do, even if we renounce that stake between our two species. Of course, the Venlil Republic would never lay claim to the Sol system. The unfortunate reality was that we didn't have the authority to hand out parsecs of space. The Federation would be hesitant to sign off on any territorial claims, and that was a best-case scenario. Recognizing the United Nations as a legitimate space-faring entity would be acknowledging humans as equals, encouraging them to spread throughout the galaxy. I feared that our predator friends wouldn't take kindly to that, especially as they eyed colonial expansions initiatives. The chorus of humanity were, and I didn't think that they'd be happy sharing with neighbors forever. They would want some breathing room and space to call their own. Speaking of misunderstandings, Ambassador No rumbled, Myself and any human-allied species might have the target on our back. It appears our shuttle was sabotaged, and that almost resulted in a catastrophic drive failure. General Jones chuckled. I'm amazed the Xenos have the stones to think of subterfuge. They sure haven't shown up before now. The Van Lil have risked their entire existence to protect ours. Is that not courageous? Let's not insult our friends. Secretary Kumper shot the American a warning look, then gave me an apologetic smile. I'm sure that was not her intention, Governor. No offense taken, but as Noah is about to mention, there was a second ship of representatives coming here. You sent out a search party already. The astronaut's eyes shut up. He must be stunned that I had discerned his thoughts with a half-glance. It was uncanny, at times, how I felt I could sense what was in the Predator's mind. Benlil and humans are scouring the edges of Zerillian space. We expect them back in comms range within the next few hours, Zal answered. Kaimper tilted her head. Is there something more you'd like from us? We would like the Yodel diplomat pulled aside for questioning, at the earliest convenience. He had an uncanny amount of knowledge about the defect, but please... Do so with tact, without drawing outside attention. The human officials shared a glance before consulting an encyclopedia of known species on their holopads. It must be difficult to recall the nuances and details of 300 races they'd never met before. Perhaps a full briefing on the friendly visitor races should be led by our diplomatic corps. General Cam cleared his throat. I'll tell Vendel police to collect him, since you want it to slip under the radar. Thank you. And listen... Media silence for now, I said. We don't need this playing out in the court of public opinion. Kemper nodded. I second that. Talk of conspiracies will sour any good news. Silence fell over the room as my military advisor forwarded the request to the appropriate agencies. The Terrans were browsing the Yodel's file and seemed to home in on the details of their uplifting. It was easy to forget how new humans were to the galactic scene. As predators, 
they really seemed unprepared for anything. My eyes fell on my holopad, awaiting the call that would bring news. It was unknown what happened to Russell and his passengers, but there was a sinking feeling in my stomach when I thought about it. Our interspecies relations were in a delicate position, to begin with. A tragedy was the last thing humanity needed. It was in our best interests to hope the Colchian pilot got lost. End of chapter. Chapter 38. Memory transcription subject, Governor Tava of the Venal Republic. Date, standardized human time, October 6, 2136. There was a heaviness in my heart as the four diplomats were ushered into the briefing room. The Mazik had been creating quite a scene outside, accusing his human hosts of kidnapping Laolo. Apparently, no amount of tact could prevent that. The uplifts disappeared without noting within minutes. President Skubo's dramatic theories and the predators intended to poke and prod every diplomat were generating panic amongst the others. That meant we had to brief everyone about the sabotage and the missing craft. The information needed to be turned over to the media as soon as possible, too, since Kupo's outburst occurred in front of live cameras. How could we persuade such a paranoid individual? His mind longed to believe that humanity was up to something. I wasn't sure how much of this briefing the Sivkit would remember, given that she was drugged with this light sedative. The Mazik, who had been quite gentle with Axley, had to carry her into the room. The humans couldn't breathe without spooking the fluffy representative. Noah had accused the Sivkit Grand Herd of having a poor choice of personnel, and I began to agree. I should order her to return home and request that the Herd send someone else. With behavior like this, it's impossible to establish any relationships with her species. Tosa was oddly quiet, and her gaze darted across the waiting predators. Despite her disdain for her uplifts, her snooty attitude slipped when Laolo disappeared from their ranks. The Nevok had been trying to hawk her planet's refined metals and microchips to any Terran that would listen, but now the interest had subdued. Even Chalson looked curious at why Yodel had vanished from their ranks, though he had more of an inkling of what was going on. We had told him, in no uncertain terms that someone on the ship could be involved. A scientist of the Zeridian's intellect might put the pieces together. I knew from the beginning that we couldn't trust you predators, Kupo spat, as he took a seat on the floor. You were just waiting to get us here to turn on us. Chalson's whiskers twitched. You should wait to hear what they're going to tell you before you start with that nonsense. It's not what you think. Wait, you know... So Tava and Nova have has been selecting who to spin their yarns with, who to hide things from, Tosa growled. The Mazic present flared his trunk. Half of the shit comes from the human's mouth is a lie. Who knows why they want to manipulate us? I bet it's about control. All their species are shown they care about is power. The UN diplomats fidgeting with their visor, clearly uncomfortable with the accusatory rhetoric. This couldn't have been their expectation when they greeted a landing party. I winced as I saw the anger on the Terran general's face. They lacked the poise and the patience for their diplomatic counterparts. It was tough for them to shrug off the insult. You know what? Feck the Federation. You can go feck right back to your ships. General Zal stood from his chair and leaned across the table towards Mazik, present. All you care about is where your person's eyes are on their head. General Drones reclined in her seat. And there's the friendly species Zal, who needs enemies with friends like these. Axley's chest was racked with sobs as the primate's tone escalated. 
The military human shifted their annoyance to the sniveling animal, their binocular eyes smoldering with indignation. The general's tolerance for predatory bigotry had been tested for the last time. And you, with the white pelt, you can't even look at us. Why are you here? Chinese general spat. Jones bared her teeth, intentionally pointing at the sipkit. Get a grip. You're embarrassing your race. To be honest, if the brunt of the human's anger was directed at me, I would make a clam up too. When their jaw muscles were clenched, it showcased their flesh-tearing bite force. The lack of fur made protruding bones and bulging veins more obvious. Translucent skin combined the rage bubbling beneath the surface. I can tell they're in control, but I don't think any other alien can. That's enough! All of you are acting like children! I screeched. Let's agree that we've all messed up in one way or another. We shared our information with Chowson because he's the only one not looking for an excuse to spout predator nonsense. You lot just proved my point. Noah squeezed my paw under the table. Also, you guys tend to freak out at the slightest sign of danger. It was hard enough to keep everyone calm on that ship. The Nebuk diplomat sighed. You get one chance to explain yourself. The truth! Anti-human plotters in the Federation tried to kill us all with cooling shaft malfunction. Brissell's ship is missing, probably for the same reason, I replied. We're trying to figure out who's responsible and hold them accountable, Noah added. Tosa snorted. And you think it's the little primitive Laulo? The Terran ambassador tensed beside me. Clearly, recent events hadn't stopped the defense reaction to any primitive jabs. I gave Noah a look that warned him to not interfere. He swallowed hard and inhaled a series of deep breaths. This was not the time for him to give to the Nevok an earful, especially when she was the most level-headed person here, not named Chowson. I offered a non-committal tail swish. We're suspicious enough to ask questions. It was plain to see from the representatives' faces that they were worried about how those questions were being asked. I swiped a few buttons on my holopad and cast the security feed to of the cell to of the projector. The marsupial was seated alone on a bench with his head in his paws. It was the predator's suggestion to let him wait for a while, to give him time to marinate, was their phrase. I didn't like that wording, but as long as the humans didn't suggest physical harm, I was happy to let them try out their techniques. The feisty uplift raised his head and stared at the camera. I know you're listening, Ambassador Noah. I can see that red light blinking. I want to talk. Too bad, I don't. The astronaut muttered to himself. The Mazic president settled down once he saw the yodel in pristine condition. He was surprised that he hadn't suggested that humanity could have staged the sabotage. Cooper was a strange case, and it was tough to pinpoint what he hoped to gain from diplomacy, telling the Terran military to their faces that he thought all humans were avaricious liars that could only stem from a remarkable disdain. The fact that their leader came himself could be chalked up to attempted honorability. Cooper didn't want anyone else to die for what he believed was a foolish gamble. Was it simply a desperation play? Like he told Noah, I didn't know if he would ever see humanity as anything more than predators. General Dones tapped her earpiece. Governor, the United Nations scout ship recovered a data buoy within research perimeter. Almost missed it on sensors. My ears perked up. Standard Federation vessels were equipped with two data buoys, which could be ejected if a ship was in distress. They contained information about the ship's function and could be encoded with a message from the captain. The buoy emitted a distress signal for a week, or as long as any nearby starlight replenished its power. 
Common scenarios for their usage included emergency landing, mechanical failures, or after sustaining damage in battle. It could offer insight into a vessel's fate or point rescuers in the right direction. I was uncertain whether to view the buoy's deployment as a positive or a negative sign. It meant that the ship had incurred trouble, but it also meant Rasul had been aware of the problem before a drive meltdown. Maybe they were in the process of mending considerable damage. All that mattered was whether they were alive. All right, was your team able to extract the data? I asked. Yes. There appears to be a short video log included. Jones scrolled through the file archives and tapped the mentioned item. Shall I clear these interlopers out so that we can review what it says in private? My ears flattened against my head. They're not interlopers. At some point, we have to start acting like friends. I'm counting on humanity to take the first step. I muted the feed from Lalo's cell and moved to the window in the background processing. The American general frowned as I gestured to the projector. Her gaze drifted to the skeptical Mazik. That first impression didn't make her eager to share intelligence. There was no telling what was on the video file, and it might not take much for individuals to jump to conclusions. A smog-filled cabin was depicted on the projector, with a delirious cultured at the helm. Rassal dabbed a damp rag against his forehead. The internal temperature must be skewering. The smoke was so thick that the grey tendrils seemed to curl around the Federation officer's form. His orange eyes were listing and unfocused. I glimpsed at a few Federation diplomats behind him. All were wearing vac suits to avoid toxins. That would only be good while the half-day's oxygen supply lasted. Upon closer inspection, Rissal had set the helmet down out of the camera's focus. He must have taken it off so that he could be seen and heard on the recording. This is Rissal of the Colchian Commonwealth. A few hours ago, we noticed signs of a fire in the warp drive compartment. With the core ablaze... Repairs were impossible. The officer burst into a coughing fit and paused to catch his breath. Emergency shutdown has been successful. Once it reaches a certain temperature, it's going to go off like a bomb. As panicked as Rassel had been around humans, his tranquility in the face of impending death was remarkable. I don't know how he kept the diplomats calm or why they hardly reacted to those words. It helped that their ship didn't have a predator around to add fuel to the instinctual fear. Still, perhaps we just couldn't hear their cries from beneath the seats. The Colchian pilot grimaced. I know we must meet me hours at most, but I'm at peace with my death. I spent my final days seeking the first real chance the Federation's had in ending the war in my lifetime. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Water swelled in my eyes as the finality of the predicament sank in. Rissal's contributions to the galactic peace was monumental, and rarely received full acknowledgement. When push came to shove, he found the courage to support humanity. It was his belief in diplomacy, encouraging us to attend the summit, that led Noah to speak to the Federation. If it weren't for that heroic veteran, it would still be two of us against the galaxy. Sovereign's actions could have been the catalyst for war. Humanity would never have seized the opportunity to voice their side of the story, or open themselves up to new partners. Rissal must be the person who saved Earth, who deserves as much credit as my dear Noah, I mused. There are some people who, who want to silence my version of the events regarding the torture of the human prisoner. I want it known that all I regret is that I didn't act sooner, he sputtered, that I never had the courage to check in on Marcel and apologize for my part in it. I hope 
He is doing well. The caution could hardly speak between coughing outbursts. His eyelids fluttered with exhaustion. He huddled over the console and rested a grasper over the send button. The lack of clean oxygen had pushed him to the brink of unconsciousness. Rissal gritted his teeth. Humans! If you see this, I remember what your leader said about desiring coexistence. I hope people give you a chance and that you won't lose faith. The things you endure would be too much for any other species. But you are not them. You're strong. You're predators. Maybe that is a good thing. The Terran ambassador's mouth was agape with horror as we observed a cell pour at his throat. This was someone we had traveled with for days who offered us a unique perspective on Federation history. It wasn't all that long ago the Colshin greeted us in the hangar bay and thanked Noah for reminding him of what courage felt like. Oh, time's up, Marcel whined in a pained voice. Kick some ox or ass for me, humans. Leave her a little less ugly in the galaxy. I have faith in you. The transmission cut out with a final beep and was replaced by a grim static. The Federation diplomats looked aghast at what we had just witnessed. Even Axley was showing signs of lucidity. The Terran generals dropped their skulls and bowed their heads in a solemn display of grief. There was something sobering about a person's last words. We have to help them, Cooper spat. Send the ship. Ambassador nodded. I will fly it myself if I have to. Those are our allies, and they're in trouble. General Jones's lips curved down. This uh, video was time-stamped three days ago. There's no vessels and sensors, only a few stray energy readings, which suggests... The only trace we'd find of the occupants was the atom scattered across the local space. Humanity's first interactions with the so's six species would be unenviable task of explaining how their diplomats died. I didn't know how we would convince their leadership, no fault for the predators. Condolences and words might cut it. We need concrete proof. The words of the crow cattle uttered that anyone who stood with humanity was dead to them lingered in my ears. It was difficult for me to process that parties in the Federation would murder civilians for the crime of speaking to predators. I wouldn't blame our new allies for not wanting to believe it was their long-standing friends. My calls flung the present surveillance back onto the projector. I was trembling in outrage. A taped confession would be a start, even if others accused us of coercion. Forget waiting. I switched to the intercom function and leaned into my holopad. Why did you betray us, Lalo? Why? The yodel glanced up with a hopeful expression. I am so sorry. Saving our shuttle seemed like enough to spark gratitude. I just wanted to impress Noah, so humanity couldn't discard us. Like everyone else. A chorus of gasps echoed from our Federation contingent. The Predator Generals looked mystified by his rationale, and their eyes narrowed to intimidating stints. None of us expected a straightforward confession especially when I was hoping that we'd pegged the marsupial wrong. Impress me. You killed Russell and almost killed us. Noah snarled over my shoulder. You're a homicidal psychopath. Lalo blinked. What? Were you not listening to what I said before? I... I didn't do it. I just saw who did. 
and use the opportunity to, um, prove myself. The humans squinted. Why should we believe that? Why wouldn't you come forward straight away? Murmurs of agreement from the alien diplomats. It was bizarre to see the Mezic nodding along with the Terran argument, but it was natural to suspect the Leotl's claim. On one paw, it seemed like the lousy attempt to dodge responsibility. On the other, it made more sense than an uplift plotting a complex technological scheme. The Takan representative saw them too, and tried to intervene. Didn't you wonder why one friendly species never made it to the shuttle? Lalo hissed. Besides, we were on their territory. If I spoke up sooner, we would have never left Afa. Confusion stirred in my chest. You're saying that it was... The uplift switched his tail. The Kulshians wanted the human ambassador, and his friend's dead. Not me. Who would have unfettered access to the shuttles? Who planned the whole trip and saw Rassal as a loose end? I fell back on my haunches, stunned to silence. Those words synced with the facts a little too perfectly. If Lalo was telling the truth, a touch DNA sweep by the core should corroborate it. However, it didn't add up. Why an influential species would grant humanity a public audience and then seek a military alliance, only to kill us? Was it even possible for our predators to track down a Colchian official and demand answers? Chief Nikonis was secure, at the heart of Federation territory. As much as I wanted to avenge the fallen vessel, Nothing good could come from blazing a trail of destruction. My expertise would focus on diplomatic side, salvaging our relation with the victimized species. The choice of how to respond to the personal and cowardly attack belonged to the humans. End of chapter. Chapter 39. Memory Transcript Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 7th, 2136. The battle for the cradle was decided in our unit's absence, hinging on their sheer force of human aggression with a mix of bold tactics and innovation. The UN fleet was able to widen their numerical advantage. The enemy found themselves ganged up on by a myriad of ships' classes. Every slight weakness was pinpointed and exploited. Hundreds of arcs all fell by their railguns and missiles, and the entire formation was pushed back within a few hours. Defensive walls were dismantled by brazen yet calculated charges. Hostiles were encircled and pinned down from every heading, unable to deal with all the Terran pests at once. There were significant casualties on our side, but enough humans remained at the end of the dogfight. The greys were reduced to isolated, scattered pockets. This was a feat, if achieved by any other species, that would cement itself in folklore. It was the greatest victory in centuries of Federation warfare. The Arxor vessels attempted to flee the system and regroup, but lighter Terran craft pursued them with relentless abandon. There was no mercy in a predator's hunt. There was only the kill. Even in victory, the humans want a little more than to finish them off. They are wired differently. They stare into the darkness, yet they don't flinch. The remnants of the cradle were now beneath the human's watchful eye. The Omnivores had no intention of letting the Arxor back within orbital proximity. Thus, the UN fleet lingered in as a protective barrier against any secondary attack. They began transmitting messages to the battled surface and organizing landing parties. As for the captured cattleship, they could offer plentiful intel. Technological access would allow humans to reverse engineer the enemy's weapons and armor or develop countermeasures. The gojid victims and the Arxor prisoners were brought aboard UN ships wherever there was room. A large chunk were deposited back on the UNS Rosinante, the warship that started it all. 
Captain Monaghan was seated at her desk when Carlos brought me to her office. The human officer was impassive and confident. It was no wonder her subordinates believed in her orders. She had no shortage of conviction or mental fortitude. Her capability under the battle circumstances was undeniable. Ma'am, I bowed my head in a respectful gesture, and the predator waved me to the chair. Thank you for allowing me to spectate your interrogation. I can't wait to see the bastard squirm. She folded her fingers together and studied me with piercing blue eyes. My motives are entirely selfish, Sovlin. You could supplement any intel regarding the Federation and brainstorm pertinent questions. It doesn't matter. I've wanted to get my paws on a grave for a long time. And that's why we're watching from afar. It's personal for you. The human crossed her arms and eyed my lengthy claws with concern. Private Marimiro vouched that you can keep a level head, that you won't interfere or question our methods. Don't prove him wrong. I stared at my guard, who seemed to take note of my confusion. We had conversed about my desire for the suffering mere hours ago. Whatever a human did to an oxel, my lips were sealed. Did they really think that I, of all people, would take pity of these creatures? There would be no moral argument from the Scotia. If the Terran military violated Earth's conventions on torture, I thought it was justified. Those parameters weren't designed for child-eating abominations. Listen, I know what your inclinations towards humans are, Carlos grunted. Our interrogators are trained to say whatever it takes to extract information from a subject. They might try to build a rapport with that thing by talking like fellow hunters. Why? How can you just pretend to be like them? Monaghan rolled her eyes. We want to keep one talking. Torture isn't an effect of mythology. Something about the matter-of-fact statement sent to chill down my spines. I think it was the implication that inefficiency was the main argument against torture, rather than the ethical rationale other humans offered. It sounded like her kind had dabbled in the art, after all, enough times to reach a scientific consensus. We're doing whatever it takes to stop them, Carlo added with a throaty growl. I just want to know that you won't misinterpret things, that you'll understand if a human agrees with a vile statement on the camera. They're concerned I might fall for any acting they're geared towards the Axel. These predators don't want me to accuse them of hiding their true intentions again. I disagree with your methods, but I understand. I met his brown eyes and suppressed the ripple of fear that ensued. It's your ship, your prisoners. You don't answer to the conscripted criminal. Captain Monaghan nodded very well. Then I'll send the signal to begin. The human swiped at the holopad with nimble digits. The viewport on the far wall morphed to a different image, an overhead angle of the Arxol's cell. A sturdy chain clung to the reptilian's leg and allowed it to wander just far enough to sit at the metal table. It reminded me of the furnishings of my prison cell when Anton explained my legal rights. These savage predators shouldn't have legal rights. If I overheard the lawyers introduce themselves and talk about defense arguments, I was going to blow a gasket. The door swung open, and a dark-haired human in military pelts ambled up to the table. His strides were too casual for my liking. As he propped himself in a chair with a bored expression, a clawless hand drifted to his chin, and his eyes leveled with those of the monster. Secondhand fear tugged at my heart, seeing the primate within a lunging distance of the grey. The Arxel's imposing form was superior in every manner. Its dagger-like teeth flashed with menace as it studied the visitor. I don't know how the Terran could keep such a nonchalant demeanor. Could he really bank his life on Jane's integrity? The reptilian prisoner unleashed a vicious snarl without warning. 
The roar reverberated into the microphone. It was a bloodthirsty chord that sent my instincts into overdrive. The decibel level directed into the primate space must be enough to set his ears ringing and my skin tingling. The human interrogator yawned. <sighs> is, is that all? Uh, are you done? I, I thought you wanted to talk, Captain. A rattled noise came from the prisoner's chest, like two stones scraping against each other. The translator proclaimed it to be laughter. I didn't know how the human stayed fixed on his seat, let alone displaying a cue of boredom. His cadence was also unwavering. You truly are predators. I had to be certain, it barked. That would be enough to make even the feckless prey folk piss themselves. They're little more than animals, you know. The Terran flashed his mouth, much flatter teeth. We know. The Gojits, they trampled each other the second our boots touched the ground. Conquest is inefficient, but for your first prize, I presume, you wanted to be Paul's on. We interrupted your hunt, and you did not appreciate us spoiling the fun. You saved us a lot of work, the way I see it. There is much to learn from your people. If you would honor us, I'm Ross, Captain Cut. What is it you wish to know? Thinking of the Arxor as self-aware individuals with names and ranks was too much. Ross's callous words stirred disgust in my chest as well. This predacious behavior was everything I imagined from his kind in my previous adventures. The human tilted his head to one side and I glimpsed an object in his earlobe. Despite his sinister words, he was still waiting for a cue from Monaghan. Ask about first contact and the events leading up to it, the Terran captain ordered. Ross narrowed his eyes. Tell me about the first time that you met the Federation. What did they say? Why did you decide to hunt them? We want the full picture of how this all started. I blinked with puzzlement. This was a waste of a question. The humans knew how the war started. The reason they hunted us was because the greys were cruel and they relished suffering. There was nothing new to glean from the tale of betrayal and certainly nothing that they would serve the Terran military interests. Before the Federation arrived, well, to understand why those dimwits contacted us, you must know of the Fourth World War. Koth hissed. You see, our regional powers always had competing interests. Does that concept register with you, or have I already lost you? The human scowled. Our nation's still bigger to this day. Go on. I see. The Northwest Block was a loose union of related cultures, which formed a counterbalance to the Movlum Charter. The Block sought to reclamation of ancestral greatness and built an army designed to subjugate middling states. You're saying a Block invaded its neighbors, neutral ones? Yes, precisely. The war was a drawn-out, bloody affair, as wars tend to be. The Block well, brought scientists in for genetic research, they wanted to find a way to select the best soldiers so their army could be the strongest. That leads to the Lansnil, or as he is known today, the Prophet. Captain Monaghan narrowed her eyes, as though trying to decide where the reptile was going with this history lesson. I didn't see how any details about a bloody war or politics were relevant. The Federation's succinct summation of the brutal culture was bound to wipe itself out was enough. The humans didn't cut the creature off for some reason, and it was all I could do to listen to its grating tongue. A brilliant scientist indeed. He theorized that certain bloodlines had a higher probability of strength and intelligence. Koth tossed its truncated snout 
Lansdowne reported to the Block Council was published under the name Betterment, and it is mandatory reading today. The Prophet rose through the party ranks, eliminating persons of lesser races, health, uh, dispositions, and creeds from the citizenry. It looked like recognition, which flickered in the interrogator's eyes, but it was gone a second later. Carlos's breath hitched for a moment, and Monaghan's jaw tightened as well. I had no idea why such an unthinkable story would resonate with the humans. The Arxor just admitted their people's hero was forged from the genocide of their own populace. Ross leaned forward. What did the Morven Chanter think of this uh, betterment philosophy? They thought that it was too radical. That was when the war truly became about destruction, making sure the other side was crippled or erased. In the wake of several cities' decimation, the Federation arrived... Their initial message was that they were here to save us, and then they dumped their technology to our databanks. I think I understand. The Block used that technology to end the Charter, then turned their guns on the stars. Not at all. The Block and the Charter signed a peace treaty and began delving through the aliens' gifts. We didn't want a war with hundreds of species, who at the time were centuries more advanced. The Federation promised their own betterment plan, but would never contact us directly. We didn't know why. Then, my eyes widened, as if I observed how the humans were listening to the rapt attention. This was an obvious distortion of the truth. The Arxal signing peace treaties, as if that was even possible. A growl rumbled in my throat, which earned me a warning look from Carlos. The guard had warned me not to interfere, but it stung to watch them record deception. This grotesque predator was lying through his fangs. I didn't know how the Terrans could be impervious to the decadent hunger in its eyes. Anyhow, their medicine and their unprecedented peace meant people were living longer, Koth continued. Our food supply couldn't keep up with our growing populace. We asked the Federation for help. They offered two concoctions, one for our livestock and one for ourselves. We mass-produced them and rushed distribution. Without any trials, we trusted the aliens. They said it would cure hunger and people were starving. Hundreds of thousands of volunteers took the Oxor doses, and the livestock one was sent to every major farm. Take a guess at what happened next. I don't know. Tell me, the livestock began dying from a highly transmittable lethal disease. As for the Oxor test subjects, they were infected with a microbe that made them allergic to meat. Here's a simple question, Ross. What happens to obligate carnivores when they can't consume meat? They starve. Correct. Every volunteer was dead within a month. The Federation simply responded how pleased they were that we were cured of our desires. Their intent was to force us not to be predators, like it was a choice. My mouth opened to protest, and Carlos slapped a hand over my lips. I struggled against his grip, coughing out muffled words behind his oily palm. There wasn't a sliver of truth in this far-fetched tale. The Federation wasn't an organization that went around bioengineering killer diseases. We reached out to the Oxel out of kindness. Why is Koth lying to them? Is it trying to use humanity as its conquest? Perhaps the Arxor noted that these primates feel empathy, so they're using standard manipulation tactics. The UN interrogator hesitated. Okay, what does the, your prophet Lasnel have to do with any of this? We had to make a choice about who lived and who died. All nations, including the Charter, finally embraced and expanded upon Lasnel's thinking. The individuals with the highest markers for aggression and violence were chosen as survivors, and the rest of our population were culled. What about the Federation? We studied them and learned how they eradicated predators on their worlds. 
Someone got the idea to make them our cattle, and used that to scrape by. It's uh, fittingly ironic. It is revenge. You didn't think of grabbing their non-sentient animals. The prey folk are the most popular species on their worlds. They breed incessantly. Besides, they destroyed their wildlife populations. The idiots wiped out most large animals on their planets, including their herbivores that got caught munching on roadkill. Captain Monaghan signaled for Carlos to release me, and his slimy palm uncorked from my mouth. The human officer met my eyes, but there was a new emotion brewing in her pupils. She was scrutinizing me, like she thought I was hiding something. Irritation coursed through my veins, and I bared my teeth in contempt. This was ridiculous. The predators couldn't turn on us because of a flimsy tale, from a subject who laughed at sharing and slavery hours ago. Pause the interview, the captain spoke into a holopad. So the Federation gave Nazis space tech, and then pushed everyone to follow them through starvation. Pure lunacy. The Arcs are our sadistic monsters. This interview was a mistake, I snarled. You have seen them throw children in cages. Chow down on people while they're alive, yet you are considering their lies. I thought humans were better than this. Monaghan returned a challenging stare. Your viewpoint is duly noted. Romero, your thoughts? It's uh, something we should investigate. If it is true, the Federation erased it from their history books, Carlos replied. But... I'm certain Sovlin believes the public narrative, and so do the common people. Any deception on his part is unintentional. I gaped in disbelief. Deception? You speak like you believe that thing. Look, it doesn't change the atrocities they've committed, buddy. Humanity just wants the truth, whatever that may be. We can't work with the half the facts, he growled. Why is there no documentation of first contact? Unless you're hiding something, why shouldn't we look? Captain Monaghan nodded. Agreed. From the Federation's perspective, they could think that they were blindsided. They see predation as some form of wicked corruption. I cast a sullen glance at the video screen. The pleasure on the fleet's victory was short-lived, as was any notion that these primates offered a reliable source of protection. My desire for friendship with the Terran God was gone, and its place was blistering pain. After everything the Arxor had taken from me and my people, it felt like a personal betrayal for those humans to place blame on us. End of chapter. Chapter 40. Memory Transcription Subject. Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 8th, 2136. No matter how often I replayed the Arxel's words in my head, I couldn't understand why the Terran observers would trust them. It was at the human's clutches that the traumatized refugees were nursed back to health. They risked life and limb, and lost hundreds of ships in pursuit of our survival. How could they reconcile what they'd seen with the Predator's narrative? The primates had loathed every aspect of the cattle ship and acted destroyed at the condition of the victims. I had wondered how one could tell when a Predator was truly hungry until I saw the darkness in their eyes that day. There was a bottomless abyss of rage inside their pupils. It was a much-needed reminder of human volatility. My service on this vessel was for nothing, I bemoaned. What if the humans decide to give the cattle back? Have I just helped the Arxor land a game-changing ally? The door to my quarter clicked open, and a wary Carlos strode in with a vegetable platter. He placed the tray on the bedside table, without any sort of apology. The food was soaked in some clear fluid. It felt viscous under my claws as I poked at it. Had the omnivores coated the plants in animal secretion, maybe it was saliva or uh, worse. 
Why the feck are the vegetables wet? I snarled, with as much hostility as I could muster. Disgusting! Carlos crossed his arms. It's olive oil, Soblin. Relax. You might even like it. Lots of healthy plant fats. I don't want anything from you, predator. I grabbed an orange-colored slice and flung it at his cheek. The human barely reacted, only wiping the oil off of his chest pelt. If you still feel empathy, shoot me now before I watch your kind turn over every species with a semblance of decency. You're overreacting and you're not going to refer to me as predator again. Why not? You defended a fecking oxel, then accused me of deception. I don't want to see your face. Just listen to me, all right? Sixty seconds. Renewed disgust flared in my chest and the guard's binocular eyes pleaded with mine. I knew humanity didn't want sapient livestock of their own, but defending the act made them equally culpable. No moral race would rewrite the tragedy of the first contact and unspeakable losses that befell every species. The image of my nightmare of Carlos roasting me over a fire seemed much more realistic. He just proved that he could see Gojans as food. This man, beast, was a traitor of sapient kind, and yet I had grown attached to him. What happened to throwing the Arxor in the cattle pens where they belonged? I slashed my claws across the pillow several times and struggled to turn them on the human. I will never agree with you. Do not waste your breath. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to understand. Carlos eyeballed the decimated pillow as fluff that was flung across my form. Look, I listened to your spiel on torturing an innocent human and tried to empathize with you. Don't you think you can at least try to see where I'm coming from? The greys are your fellow predators. They're more like people to you than us. This isn't about the Arxor, Sovlin. It's about the Federation and how they've treated us. The prejudice and the hatred. That is because of the greys. They won't stop until you're destroyed or erased. But... Can't you see how it looks from outside? Why we would think we are capable of killing and terrorizing predators when you've been hellbent on our extinction since you discovered us. I chewed on my claws, considering the welcome that humanity had received to the galaxy. Governor Tarva might have made them aware of the Federation's extermination plans. The only reason their species still had lived was due to a misinterpreted sensor data. The second their survival was discovered, the entire organization convened to discuss a raid on Earth. There were entire religions formed around the eradication of predators, including the one of my own world. Most individuals of the UN tried to contact reject the idea of the humans could be civilized. This was typically due to the belief that their ilk was incapable of empathy, cooperation, or basic bonding. My experience proved the error of the prior research. In Carlos's paws, I would definitely resent the Federation. Maybe it would seem within the realm of possibility that we had done a similar thing to other predators. I guess. But I do know better than to believe the Arcs are lies, I growled. However bad you think they are, they're worse. The human lowered his eyes. I'm not saying that Koth is telling the truth. I'm saying that he could be. Because I know how much you hate our existence. I believe whatever the evidence says. Then I'll help you prove it wrong. Only because I'm sorry for what the Federation has done to the humans. I regret how much it has soured our, your opinion of us. And I know my part in that. That's all I ask. Are we cool? Yes. Good. Because the captain wants to see you. And I don't want to explain that you're pouting. I'm not pouting. The predator's lips adopted a slight curvature, which seemed indicative of amusement. 
I was beginning to understand how Slanek could read emotions in their snarls. It was just a way of compensating for their missing tails. Did humans ever envy an additional appendage that the rest of us took on for granted? It was a miracle they were so graceful about balancing without it. I shoveled my paws at the vegetables down my gullet, then dismounted from my bed. Carlos steered us back toward Monaghan's office, and we traversed the ship corridors in a comfortable silence. Amazement rippled through me as I realized my spines were lying flat. The second I noted my proximity to the Predator, they returned to full bristle. Yikes! That is starting to hurt. Why did I have to think about it? The doors to our destination slid open and distracted me from my latest dose of fear chemicals. The UN captain was reviewing one clip when we entered. A curt exchange between Koth and Ross. Her eyes were bloodshot, like she had been poring over footage all night. Humans could be obsessive, that was for certain. One piece, what do you see as acceptable end condition for the war? The Terran interrogator asked. You don't get it. There is us and them. Saliva oozed from the reptilian captain's fangs as it spoke. They can only be peace if every Federation planet is dead. That is acceptable. Ross narrowed his eyes. What if that's not acceptable to us? Then you're stupider than I took you for. Then you'll die with the Federation. You can watch the prey folk neuter your race before your extinction. Captain Monaghan punched some notation into a holopad. Her sighs sounded flustered, but she didn't seem concerned by the extermination threat. If I didn't know better, I would think that question had been aimed at finding out the diplomatic avenues between us and the Greys were possible. So there would be no room for negotiation, the UN interrogator pressed. Humanity cares for one alien species above all others. They are part of our pack, and we will not abandon them. Koth thought for a moment. Its pupils started from side to side, as if it were scanning its memory banks. The cold intelligence on display was appalling, and the Terran's reckless divulgence alarmed me. Humans were painting a target on Vendel Prime, if they publicized that alliance to the enemy. Poor Tava. The species she saved from certain death is trying to get her killed in return. Careless idiot monkeys. The Vendel, Koth decided, you gotta be kidding. That explains their thwarting what should have been a simple border raid. Ross was quiet. The human maintained eye contact and waited for the prisoner to continue. He did not confirm or deny the reptilian's guess which was of affirmation of itself. The Oxal slammed a snout against the table. One of the weakest, most frightful species of them all. The Venlil are beneath you. That is for us to decide. Surely you see that they're a liability to you. What use could they be? You refer to them as packmates, not food or slaves. That means equals. I meant what I said, Koth. An attack on them is an attack on us. We should die for them happily. But why? Because they defended us from the Federation, despite the fact that we're predators. They were the ones who helped us. Humanity would never repay a debt with anything less. The Arxel shook its head, huffing with disgust. The abomination was repulsed by the interrogator's soft rhetoric. This was Ross's worst miscalculation yet. Still, it was a relief to hear that the humans would stand by the Vendel, if nothing else. I thought that they would be ashamed of their prey friends for a moment. A growl rumbled in Koth's throat. What is it you're asking? We would discuss sparing one species if that was what you required to join us. That. And the release of every Vendlil held as livestock, unharmed. The human barked. You expect us to give up millions of cattle that we already have. We're starving as is. 
Surrendering any of our existing food supply is a non-starter. Captain Monaghan tapped a button on a console, then the video feed paused. I knew she was the one who directed the interrogator to barter our lives. It like any mundane commodity. She hadn't even reacted to the promise that Venlola's food. These familiar faces were leaning into the predator roots a bit too much, ever since they started interacting with the greys. Fortunately, this foray had gone nowhere. That last statement sealed the finality of the diplomatic impasse. The Oxal would never part ways with their precious quarry, by Koth's own admission. Regardless, the offer to spare the Vendel further harm was an empty talk. The Predator would say whatever it thought afforded the best chance to escape. Would the human abandon this body now? It was insulting that they would even pose such questions. Monaghan sighed. Well, it's a start. The Federation said the Greys were incapable of negotiation. You are negotiating on whether your best friends deserve to have their pups tortured and hunted for kicks, I spat, incredulously. Sovlin, you're out of line. Arlos tugged on my scarf, which snapped my attention to his flabbergasted expression. She doesn't answer to you. You said it yourself. It's all right, Monaghan growled. If we rescue every enslaved Vendel, I don't imagine Tava will care how we achieve it. Especially if that option would negate years of suffering for those people and save Earth's significant loss of life. The Ewing guard narrowed his eyes. There is a reason we get along with Tava. Her government is actually reasonable, implying that mine is not. The irritation swelled in my chest. So you're really moving forward with this plan? Nothing has been decided, Sovereign, because it's not my decision. My job is to weigh options for the UN and to see if talking is even a possibility. Turns out, it just might be, the Terran captain replied. You didn't even mention Gojits or any other species to Koth. Let's say you saved the Venlil, then you're just going to let everyone else rot. Humanity does not believe in any sapient deserves such treatment. We would never be involved with and agree with those practices. Monaghan raised her eyes, emphasizing with a predator gaze. However, if we can save only one race, you should understand why the Venlil are our top priority. It's still wrong. I refuse to help you trade the lives and bargain with those demons. Good thing you're not why I summoned you then. Now that we control the cradle, we'd like your help with the Gojid refugee crisis. They belong with their colonies or the Federation, but it's not so simple. There was no need for further explanation from the captain. I grasped the dilemma that humanity was facing. It wasn't as easy as flying the ship to the nearest Gojid colony and dropping them off. An inbound Terran transport would draw shoot to kill missile fire, no matter how slow their approach or polite their hail. The same problem would occur on any Federation outpost. Using the Venlil as a courier may not work either. They're considered predators by association at this point. However, with the humans potentially in cahoots with the Arxor, we had to get the Gojid refugees out of their custody at once. Judging by the reaction of Koth's interview, the primates were susceptible to corrupting influences. It didn't take much to warp their good intentions and rope them into a dastardly scheme. The more I pondered it, the enemy's motives could stretch beyond escape. The offer of an alliance might be genuine since the UN impressed so thoroughly in their early engagements. Humans had the power to decide the conflict for either side and would only grow more dangerous with time. The Federation needed to straighten up our act and make sure that the Terrans stayed in our corner. I had to do whatever was in my power to convince our galactic allies not to follow the Goji's mistake. Antagonizing Earth made a child-eaters look more palatable, even to noble soldiers like Monaghan and Carlos. 
adding a second predator to the Arxel site would turn this war into a demolition. Then uh, we contact both my people and the Federation, I decided. I still have some sway. Monaghan grimaced. How do we speak to your people? Your settlers might need to relocate. We don't have the resources to protect this region long term. I'll tell you how to reach Gojic government channels, if they still exist, that is. Be warned, they probably don't. The last I heard, the designated bunker was looking shaky. Carlos rubbed his neck anxiously. Does your prime minister hate us? Piri had a change of heart. She would be a useful witness with the Federation regarding this whole debacle. Short of that, I'm probably your best mouthpiece, you know. Being one of the few surviving and well-known Gojids. You're the best. We're doomed. A UN guard groaned. Monaghan chuckled. Let's see if the PM's alive before we pronounce our political death, Romero. Look what you've got your captain thinking. Political death? I glowered at Carlos. Knowing intimidation would have no effect. Thanks for the vote of confidence. He flashed his teeth. No problem. Whatever the Terrans might think of my reliability, the remnants of the Gojid Union needed to do our part. Right now, the Vendlor were the only incentive for Earth and her citizens to risk their hides. That needed to change before it was too late. I was going to impress upon anyone that would listen that humans were a species worth saving, even if we were saving them from their predator selves. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank our tier 5 patrons and channel members. Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Lord Arishakal, Dragzoon, WRE, and Arcadian. Thank you very much.